we have been doing a series this fall called uh, His Heart, and it's based on this book, Gentle and Lowly, by Dane Ortland. And what we're doing is we're going through this book, and there's two chapters a week, and at the head of each chapter is not even a full verse. Usually it's just a phrase, part of a verse, and we're taking one or both of those each week, and we're looking at them to learn more and discover more about his heart. And so I want to do something a little bit different today. We have a couple weeks left after this, but I actually want to review for a while what we've covered so far. And, and then um, we're, the next couple weeks, just the nature of trying to review wouldn't, wouldn't work very well based on what we're doing. Um, but I have this question for you, and that is, what, what is God revealing to you about his heart in this series? Some of you have come to many of these or watched or somehow connected to many of these. Um, is there something God is sharing with you or, or you're learning about his heart or how is he impacting you? It's easy to hear something and say, ah, oh, that's good, and then just walk out and not take it with us. It's easy even to have like, that was a really good service. Like the last three weeks, it seems like God has been moving in people's hearts here, but then what are we taking with us Beyond, And so that's part of the reason we're going to review. Now, I will say this goes against how I think is, this book is most valuable. When I read this book uh, earlier this year, I would read one chapter a day, and that's it. And I would read it slow, and I would think about the one phrase and try to take it with me over and over in a week. I am going to just go through quickly all that we've covered, just to give you a kind of a reminder to prompt a little bit. And then a little space to think about that. And then I will share pretty briefly a little bit about what this week's topic is, but I'm going to keep that really brief. So, to start, the first thing that we did to introduce is, is what this book is based on, which is that Jesus talks about his heart explicitly. He explicitly says, this is what my heart's like, only one time in all of the Bible. And he says to what would surprise me out of all the things he could do to describe his heart, which is the core of who he is, which is the center of who he is, he says he's gentle and humble in heart. He is gentle and humble. And he says, after, in that passage, in Matthew 10, he says, come to me because I'm gentle and humble. I'm here. I'll go as low as you go so you can come to me. And he says, learn from me. Because I am gentle and humble in heart. Take on my way of life, which includes being gentle and humble ourselves. So everything else that we're talking about is building on this idea, he is gentle and humble. And the next week what we talked about is that he has compassion. And his compassion moves him to action. Compassion in the Bible is a feeling word. It's, it's how he feels, and the pictures of it are in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for it is like the womb. And then in the New Testament, it's from the bowels. Again, at the center of who he is is compassion, is this heart that goes out to people. And what we watch as his heart goes out to people in Jesus' life is that he would follow up with healing or teaching or just being there with people. His heart led to action. His heart led to goodness being expressed. So that was, that was the next week. The week after that, you better, I might forget the order. Yes, so the week after that was he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And Jesus is our great high priest. A high priest is someone that 
represents the people to God and God to the people. It's a go-between between the divine and humanity. And Jesus is a high priest who went all the way up through the heavens, the Bible said. As a human, I mean, he's God, but he was still, right now, he's got a body. He's raised from the dead, and he's got a body, and he's all the way to the highest heaven, and yet he's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's went through temptations and trials and suffering and difficulties in every way, just like other human beings. And so he comes all the way down, and yet he can also pull us all the way up. He's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. The next week, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. So, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. That's a quote from Jesus. It may feel like, where is God? Oh, or, or God's left me now because I've done all these things wrong or because I haven't paid any attention to him. But the reality is, is God is always just one step away from us. It's us turning back to him. It's us bringing our attention back to him. It's us saying, yes, we want you, God. He doesn't drive us away when we turn back to him. When we do uh, focus on our sin or ignore him or all that, we leave him. But we're always one step. He's, he, he doesn't leave us. And if we come to him, he will not drive us away. Now, the next week, Jason Henry talked about the importance of having an advocate. He talked about in, in his ministry, the things that... that, that um, the people that he works with and his organization works with, lots of times they don't have anyone who can be an advocate for them. And how big of a difference it makes that there's, when there's an advocate and Jesus has a heart and the Bible describes him as he's, he is an advocate for us. He comes alongside to help us. He pleads our case for us. He provides resources for us. He is our advocate. That's his heart, to come alongside people who feel alone or who need someone to help them and to help them. He is an advocate. The next week, Judd talked about being a friend. He gave pictures of what really true, good friendship is like. The kind of friend that you can count on. The kind of friend that goes above and beyond for you. The kind of friend that you laugh with and you cry with. And Jesus wants to be that kind of friend for us. He's a friend to sinners, the Bible says. And then the week after that, Clay Corver was here. And Clay was talking about that he comforts the afflicted, that we go through hard times in this life. And if we go through hard times, they can really take us down. But if we are focused on God's heart in our hard times, it allows us to put roots in that go deep and get stronger and be able to withstand it, Clay said. And then we can express the same kind of love outward. So our hard things, God could actually use and bring about good if we have it where roots go down deep and we then express love outward. And then last week, I gave a really good message. I forgot it all. Okay. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So what I talked about last week is that I typically have thought about his thoughts being higher than our thoughts as the capacity that his mind is so brilliant that he, can, he understands the whole universe. Like That's why his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. But the context of the passage is actually his thoughts are so much more forgiving so much more tender towards us. He offers double pardon. He is, he, his thoughts, his response to us is so different than our human natural response to people. It is so forgiving. So whether this is your first Sunday here in this ever or in this series, or you've come to a few, or you've come to a lot of them, I'm gonna give us like one to two minutes, which will feel like a long time. To just think, 
to ask, what are you saying to me? What, what am I learning about you, God? What is it that, how is this impacting me? So God help us to remember or recall or reveal new things to us just in a minute or two of pausing and listening or thinking. Okay, what I'd like to do next is I'd like to just give a chance for anybody to share that would like to. What has God put on your heart? How have you been impacted by thinking about God's heart today, these last weeks? And I can be patient. I was going to say I am patient. That's not necessarily true, but I can be patient. And I don't expect someone to just know immediately that they're, but yeah. I'll come to you, Doug, but I want you to stand for the people if you're able. Oh, my goodness. I understand now that God loves me in a total way. And the other part of that is, is he's not holding anything, anything against me. I'm his, and he's mine, and I love him so much. That's awesome. Thank you, Doug. Who else? You're just scratching your head. I was about, you know. Be careful, don't scratch your head, or you could have a mic in your face uh, real quickly here. Oh, Nick? It's just been that thought that when Jesus came, it was all of God's power, but in the same human form that he used to create us. And so it's been that thought on the heart that Jesus said, you'll do all these and greater. And it's the question of, then why do you doubt what I've already told you you are? Why do you believe yourself to be lesser? Even though I showed you that it can all exist within the same human frame that I've given you. Great. Thanks, Nick. I told you not to scratch your head. I'm, I was coming your way. 
the thing that I have really learned from this series is that um, I can love people the same way God loves me. And it's teaching me that I need to be able to put that love out there and show it because he shows it to me every day no matter what. And when someone makes a mistake, I need to acknowledge that and forgive them and move on because that's what God would do for me. That's, that's great, Paula. That's great. might call on a couple people. I might. There's one person that's been going through my mind all week, and this person would have no problem telling me no, but I don't see them here. <laughs> oh, there he is. When Clay spoke, uh, it just really stuck out to me that um, affliction is so hard. And we see in ourselves and, and like the world just closes in on us. And um, we have a hard time seeing beyond that. And when Clay said that it just makes our roots grow deeper. And he got the note from his dad that said, you know what to do. And it, um, as Christians, we do know what to do. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the roots have, that have grown deep in me, um, in my family, and in the friends that I see sitting in this room. And um, our roots are deep. And those afflictions were hard. But God gives us the ability to share what he wants for our, for our lives and what he wants for the people that are closest to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I'm a little more gun shy and calling on people now, but I love, but what I love about that is like, that's okay. Like we, we guess we say, and then no. Yeah. Right along with that beautiful word of loving like the Lord loves. Um, the Lord's been teaching me that he is the master of all the servant of none, but he serves everyone. And when he came to earth, he was not the center of his life. He did not come to earth for him. He came for us. And uh, similarly, the Lord's been teaching me in our, my heart, when I am the center of my life and I'm doing things for me, I'm, I'm not living like the Lord. I'm, I'm not living in his heart, but when other people and the Lord are the center of my heart, then I'm living with the Lord and in, in his grace. So, yeah. That's great. Thanks, Nicholas. Anyone else? I'm telling you, head scratchers are good fakes. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing, those of you that did. That was... 
It's good. It's good to hear from each other. So today's uh, passage is from Ephesians 4. And what Dane Ortland says in Ephesians, oh no, it's Ephesians 2, verse 4. What Dane Ortland says in that is that there's these five, uh, I lost my spot, there we go. There's these six verses. And in the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 2, what it says is we are dead in our sins. We're dead in our sins. It talks about the spirit of, really it's the devil, it doesn't use that language, the spirit of the prince of the air being at work in us. It talks about our, our flesh, our sinful desires, giving into them, and it talks about the ways of the world. So in, in traditional Christian parlance, the three enemies of our soul are the world, the flesh, or our sinful nature, our tendency to do our own thing instead of going God's way, and the devil. Those are all right here in this passage. And it says, because of that, we deserve wrath. And then, so that's the problem for all of us. We're dead in sin, spiritually dead. And then verses 5 and 6 give the solution to the problem. It talks about we are made alive because of Jesus, who died for our sins, who raised, was raised from the dead, and who raises us spiritually to life with him, through him. Verse 4, the verse we're going to look at today, is the why. The problem is we're dead in our sins. The solution is Jesus makes us alive if we come to him. Why does he do that? So here's what Ephesians 2, 4 says. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. Now, I usually read the whole thing. I'm thinking about the problem and the solution. And I don't just pause to think about the motivation. Because of God's great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. What does it mean to be totally loaded with mercy? To be a bazillionaire with the currency of mercy. What does that mean? Now, something that, that he said in the chapter previous, I'm not going to get into that passage um, so much, but what he said in the chapter previous was that it's strange that we think about, and the Bible talks about God's wrath, God's wrath, and right here, wrath comes right before it, talking about him rich in mercy. How can God have wrath, but then also be rich, loaded, just an abundance of mercy? Put those two things together. How does that work? So here's what what happened for a while, especially in the Roman Catholic Church for centuries, was that it talked about God the Father is the angry God. And if you look at a lot of art, that's what you'll see, the judge. But thankfully, Jesus and Mary, thankfully they come to, to kind of take care of that wrath because they're the ones that represent loving. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the Old Testament is a God of love just as much as the God of New Testament. Jesus came to reveal what God's heart is like, not to go, you know, help us against this, this heart. But how does wrath and mercy go together? And this book, quoting one of the Puritans, Thomas Goodwin, talks about this. God hates sin. Here's why he hates sin. He hates anything that hurts us. 
He hates anything that hurts us. And our sin hurts us and others. And other people's sin hurts us. And God is committed to remove what hurts us because he has great love for us, because he's rich in mercy. And so that's how you can put two things together. The wrath is against sin. He doesn't want sin because sin hurts us, because sin hurts others, because others hurt us with their sin, and so he hates it. But he hates it because he loves us so much. That's why he hates our sin. That's why there's wrath against sin. So we need to not think so much about the hatred of sin because we tend to personalize it and, and take it as shame instead of focusing on the richness of God, that God is rich in mercy. And for whatever reason, I was trying to figure out, like, so how much, how much mercy, how do, you, how do you quantify mercy? Because riches... Money, I know how to, you know, someone that's rich and has a lot of money compared to someone who doesn't. I was thinking about that in mercy, and this is what came to my mind this week. If you're walking through a place that's somewhat crowded, I mean, it could be a, a concert or an event, a sporting event, an airport, school hall, something like that. You're running, so there's people, and you kind of watch your way and get through it, and it could be that at some point somebody kind of bumps into you a little bit, right? Bumps into you, I'm sorry. Now, it does not take a huge amount of mercy in my bank account if someone just kind of bumps me with a lot of people and they say they're sorry for me to say, that's okay, and keep moving. Now, if they come in a little harder, sorry, you know, I have an initial, but if I got enough in my, mer in my mercy bank account, I'd be like, that's, no, that's okay. Now, if they're coming flying across the hall, not looking where they're going, and they, they watch me like that, and they say sorry, now we get to find out how much is in the mercy account, right? Now, typically, I mean, that has happened to me, but typically I'm the airhead not looking where I'm going and running into people. So I experience the response from both people with more mercy in their bank account and less mercy in their bank account. And the more mercy in their bank account people, will, if I say sorry, they'll be like, oh, so that's okay, that's okay. But otherwise, they'll be like, well, look where you're going. Because they have less mercy in their bank account. Now, if someone comes barreling across and they just bump into you and they don't say sorry, they just keep going, it takes quite a bit in the Mercy Bank account to be like, no, it's, it's okay. Now, if someone comes up to you and punches you in the face and then says, why, why are you my way? That takes like a weird person to say it's okay, right? There's nothing, there's nothing about, like, I don't care how much is in the Mercy Bank account. Like, that's just like, now, 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 what about in God's bank account? And I'm using, like, the example of, like, a physical thing happening, but, but for me, my Mercy Bank account is low. And so, it doesn't take much. You looked at me wrong. They, I thought they were going to do this. They didn't follow through on that. They said that. And we can have responses of, well, we'll just not talk to that person anymore. Or we will give them a piece of our mind. Or we'll just talk about them all over the place. Because we have very low mercy accounts. 
And what we tend to do is think that the mercy accounts we experience from others, the mercy accounts we use with others, that's, that's how big God's mercy account is. I mean, maybe it's a little bit bigger. Maybe he has to forgive us because he's God and he's supposed to. No. He actually has this huge mercy account. Here's the thing about, about God. He did get hit in the face. Jesus did get hit in the face. And he didn't respond like he could have. He responded with mercy. He got spit in the face. He got made fun of. He got beaten. He got whipped. He was bloodied. He was crucified. He was up there. And he has this huge mercy bank account. And so he says, in the midst of all of that, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He gets blamed for everything when he didn't do anything. All the sins of all of us, of all the world, of all time gets put on him. And his mercy bank account is so huge that his response is, okay, I will take all that on because my love is so great for you. Because I know that good will come. I will take what you deserve so you can get what I deserve, which is eternal life and glory and goodness. That's what it means that he is rich in mercy. And one other, one last thing that comes from this book that just, and this is the thing that really struck me, was some of us can be having really cruddy things going on in our lives. And we can look at our lives and say, I don't know if I believe that you have that much mercy for me. I don't know that my life's saying that because I'm abandoned right now. I got betrayed right now. Somebody did this. My life's falling apart right now. If I look at my life, I'm not sure I trust how, how great your mercy account is. And he says, don't look at your life. Look at Jesus' life. Look at how he was willing to be mistreated and abandoned and abused and neglected and blamed because he loves us because of his great mercy for us. And even though he gives us mercy and we squander it, he did all that for us and we can spend all kinds of time ignoring him, all kinds of time living with our little mercy accounts when we've gotten this big mercy account given to us, and he still says, there's more mercy. You've squandered what I've given you so far, there's more. Because it's not a bank account with him. It's just part of who he is. He is a constant source of mercy. He is rich, rich, rich in mercy. That's who he is. That's what his heart is like. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are so rich in mercy toward us. We thank you that your mercies are new every day. We thank you that you don't treat us as our sins deserve. We thank you that you don't do that through gritted teeth, but through open arms. That you have a heart that smiles on us, that is committed to what's best for us, that will always be there for us, that you demonstrated that with your life and your death that you've committed to that forever with your resurrection and ascension. 
And I pray today that you would release more of that mercy into our lives. We need your mercy. Because of our sins, because of our sufferings, because of the ways we've been sinned against, we need mercy. We need this constant flow of mercy. So we are grateful that that is who you are, a source of mercy, a never-ending source of mercy, of it's okay, of I'm still for you, of I'm here with you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you that it's okay. Thank you that it's going to be okay. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.